Next, ReachMD's special series, Focus on Diabetes. This month, we're taking an in-depth look at diabetes, the disease now affecting nearly 1 in 10 Americans. Tune in all this month for the latest research, treatments, and prevention methods to gain new insights for your practice. We're spending billions each year to research possible cures for type 1 diabetes. Is that cure already on the shelf? Welcome to our special focus on diabetes on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Bruce Bloom, and joining us to discuss the first clinical trial using generic drugs to try to cure type 1 diabetes is Dr. Denise L. Faustman, Associate Professor of Medicine at Harvard Medical School and Director of the Immunobiology Laboratories at the Massachusetts General Hospital. In 2001, her lab reversed type 1 diabetes in mice with end-stage disease, a project that is now being translated into human clinical trials. Dr. Faustman does key research for other autoimmune diseases, including Crohn's disease, lupus, scleroderma, rheumatoid arthritis, Sjogren's syndrome, and multiple sclerosis. Dr. Faustman, welcome to ReachMD. Thank you for inviting me. So tell us how you were able to reverse type 1 diabetes in end-stage NOD mice. Okay, well, that was only 18 years of data, but I'll say it in three minutes. Okay. <laughs> the concept here is that there's unique, we identified over a long period of time, unique proteins that were on the surface of bad T-cells, but not on the surface of good T-cells. And it turned out the differences in those proteins were on cell death pathways. So that was the eureka moment that then allowed us to propose that maybe it was actually possible to target and kill only autoreactive cells. So the whole basis of this disease reversal therapy that works well in mice that we're trying to translate is to use these new pathways to kill only disease-causing cells. And do humans have those same proteins on the surface of their autoreactive immune cells? The human data in tissue culture was published about a month and a half ago in PNAS showing that in a diversity of autoimmune diseases, but with a focus on type 1 diabetes, that the majority of people with classic type 1 diabetes have circulating pathologic T cells that die when we stimulate one of these pathways. And in this particular case, the pathway is the TNF pathway. So how did the mice become insulin competent again after you took care of these autoreactive immune cells? So we had originally aimed to conduct these experiments in end-stage mice to try to create an environment, immune environment in these animals so we could finally do islet transplants without recurrent disease. As most people know, what has plagued not only clinical islet transplantation, but even islet transplantation in autoimmune mice is not the rejection of the tissue, but the recurrence of the disease. So the experiments were really aimed to clean up the immune environment by this targeted therapy and then do an islet transplant. But the animals taught us something really new, and that new discovery in 2001 was that the animals with disease removal regenerated their islets on their own in their pancreas. And do we have any evidence of that in humans that humans who are type 1 diabetic have the ability, if we can get rid of these autoimmune cells, to regenerate their own insulin independence? Sure. There is data, and of course, we'd like to have more data that 100% of diabetics, no matter what stage you're in, has that ability. But there's a lot of immunological data that's been around for a long time that falls in different categories that supports that hypothesis. So what do we think will happen if we try and translate this into humans, and is that what you're doing in your clinical trial? So this is one of the first clinical trials using immune therapy 
of targeted disease removal, but targeted disease removal in people with long-standing diabetes, as probably this audience of physicians is well versed in, most trials, immuno-intervention trials, are aimed at capturing predominantly children just at the time of onset of diabetes. These trials that we're conducting are unique in taking people 5, 10, 15, 20 years out from diabetes and trying to do something significant for that patient population. So you first got evidence of this in these end-stage NOD mice in 2001. Yes. What have you done in the intervening seven years to get prepared for this clinical trial, both mice work and human work in your lab? Sure. The first paper came out in 2001, and then, of course, there was incredible skepticism that there was regeneration in the pancreas. I mean, (laughs) the concept was you were born with one pancreas, end of the story, and the primary focus of research had been islet transplantation. So this kind of jarred the scientific community. So in 2003, we published a paper in Science using what's called lineage tracking methods to actually show the beta cells were regenerating. There was cell duplication. The histology was fairly dramatic, but we needed to prove to even the skeptics that there was cell turnover and that new beta cells were being uh, created. That occurred in 2003, and then by 2007, seven international groups similarly cured to various degrees, also end-stage diabetic mice. But during that five-year time period, we were busy trying to figure out the best way to translate this to humans. So who have you asked for funding for this research and who has stepped up to the plate? Oh, well, that's kind of an interesting question. So, of course, the diabetic mouse community is elated by this data. (laughs) And people with established type of diabetes are pretty excited. But when you go out to the pharmaceutical companies and you're talking about disease reversal therapy, there's a little less enthusiasm. So it turns out that when we realized we couldn't create new compounds and get these to the clinic with speed, we set up a generic drug screening program because if you can identify a generic drug, it literally saves millions and millions of dollars in development costs and also time. As an indication, to give you a little cost benefit here of identifying a generic drug, is if we had decided to use TNF, that's the real compound we want, we would still be probably three or four years after the discovery manufacturing TNF, using a big pharmaceutical company to establish good manufacturing practices for TNF. And then you still wouldn't be able to do the trial. You'd have to do primate studies for three to four years. So at the end of that eight-year period, you probably would have spent around $20 million, and just then you'd be able to start your phase one. In contrast, identifying a generic drug allowed us to eliminate all the manufacturing steps and costs and allowed us to eliminate all the manufacturing and primate studies for toxicology. So we're actually midway through a phase one trial right now. If you've just tuned in, you're listening to our special focus on diabetes on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Bruce Bloom, and joining us to discuss the first clinical trial using generic drugs to try and cure type 1 diabetes is Dr. Denise L. Faustman, Associate Professor of Medicine at Harvard Medical School and Director of the Immunobiology Laboratories at the Massachusetts General Hospital. So before we talk about this clinical trial, let's get down to the molecular level and what's going on that causes type 1 diabetes and tell us about all the compounds. You mentioned the surface proteins and TNF-alpha. What is all that so that our listeners can get that picture in their head? Sure. So if you're a normal T cell, you want to live, okay? That's the basic concept here. And normal T cells usually get bathed with lots of cytokines, and then intercellularly they can activate 
many pro-survival proteins. But what we discovered both in the autoimmune NOD mouse, as well as now humans with the diversity of autoimmune diseases, is that intercellular machinery in the highly activated T cells of diabetics is abnormal. So that's the basic cellular pathway that's interrupted to then allow us to add a ligand on the outside of the cell to kill it and only kill it and not the good T cells. And that ligand and pathway is the TNF pathway. And for those people who are listening or cell biologists will know the TNF pathway signals transcription for pro-survival genes using something called NF-kappa B. So because of defects in the NF-kappa B pathway, we can use very low-dose TNF and actually kill the pathogenic T cells. Does the body then make new pathogenic T cells, or once they're all gone, are they gone for good? So that's a good question. So as the um, old-fashioned raid commercials (laughs) on the TV, you kill them dead. So uh, when the bad T cells are killed, they're killed dead, and they're not going to come back. But, of course, there's upstream cells. And so what we showed in the mouse was that if we got their precursor cell with a different compound, we could eliminate disease in these animals for life. But that's a mouse, and we're not sure of the recurrence rate of these cells in humans. So one of the reasons for doing this trial is not only determining the dose and the amount of the dose to kill off the existing bad cells, but also start to monitor the reoccurrence of these cells in humans to figure out when revaccination would be necessary. So what compound are you testing in this clinical trial and how is it given? The compound is an old-fashioned vaccine that's been around for eight years and it's called BCG. Four billion doses have been given worldwide, so that's a pretty impeccable safety record as well as a huge number of people's around the world that have it as an obligatory injection, and we give it right under the skin, interdermally. So this is not an intravenous antibody therapy. So this is not a blinded study, or is it a blinded study? Yeah, double-blinded, placebo-controlled. The lab, of course, and myself have no idea which samples are coming through, whether it's a control, just a random control, or whether it's a diabetic, or whether it's a diabetic that got treatment or got the placebo. So that'll be uncoded once the last patient's enrolled. So the treatment groups are normal patients and diabetic patients, and they can get active or placebo. That's right. And you don't know, everybody gets an injection, but they don't know what it is. That's right. Does BCG cause a local skin reaction, and do people know? Well, you know, they're also doing local reactions in the control group. So since I don't see the patients, my honest answer is I don't know. (laughs) It might be that the patients know, but uh, one of the requirements of this trial was that they followed up with a Band-Aid on their arm so that the physician in the clinic didn't even know. (laughs) Okay. Great. So a lot, a lot of blinding going on here. <laughs> and do they get just a single dose at no, one time? No, we're doing two doses four weeks apart as our first pilot. Of course, the official thing we want to learn is or show the FDA is the vaccine safe, which we should be able to do since four billion doses were given before we started. <laughs> it's unusual in that sense in, in drug development. But The real thing from a basic science viewpoint that we're trying to do is try to correlate all these blood biomarker assays with the injection. So this is pretty intense in the lab right now, doing all this blood testing. And what we want to see is which of this battery of immune markers we're doing correlates with the BCG injection and correlates best with establishing 
the T-cell picture of diabetes. And that's incredibly important. And a frequent question is, aren't you wasting time doing a phase one? I mean, the drug's been around forever, but we're really not because we want to pick the best T-cell marker of this drug to then be the winner to go forward in phase two because the intensity of the blood monitoring in patients is very costly. And so we'll need to narrow down, which is the best blood marker. And are you expecting any of these patients to actually have a change in their type 1 diabetes during this trial? Well, it's a very, very low dose, so that would be great, but don't expect it yet. (laughs) But you do think you'll be able to see changes in those autoreactive T-cell populations? Well, that's what we're hoping. You know, I mean, when you start to develop clinical tests, there's always tests that fall in the category of easy to perform but not very sensitive. There's also tests that you can do that are very difficult to perform, very expensive to perform, but might have exquisite sensitivity. So we'll gradually characterize all these uh, T-cell markers and cytokine markers into categories and then figure out who the winners and losers are for moving forward in phase two. During the phase two study, won't one of the endpoints be whether or not patients become insulin competent on their own? Yeah, or an endpoint will be, is there any return of pancreas function, right? Right. Um, So this is a a pretty unique trial because we're taking people with um, no stimulated C-peptide. We're taking people whose pancreas is um, certainly in the established diabetes phase. And it's the first trial in the world to then try to get the pancreas to turn on again, right? (laughs) So, So we set very lofty goals, but we set those lofty goals based on really knowing the mechanisms of action of this drug and also knowing that people have similarly to the NOD mouse these bad T-cells that can be destroyed, at least in tissue culture, with this drug. I'd like to thank our guest, Dr. Denise L. Faustman, Associate Professor of Medicine at the Harvard Medical School and Director of the Immunobiology Laboratories at the Massachusetts General Hospital, for joining us to discuss the first clinical trial using generic drugs to try to cure type 1 diabetes. You've been listening to our special focus on diabetes on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. For a complete program guide and podcasts, visit www.reachmd.com. For comments or questions, call us toll-free at the number listed on our website. And thank you for listening. You've been listening to this month's special series, Focus on Diabetes. For a program guide and complete list of shows, please visit us at reachmd.com.